Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. This week's re-release, we're doing it again. My son is almost home for the hospital. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. If you're driving, don't cross your fingers. I guess you could do that. And I guess maybe you could knock on wood. Maybe if you have a really fancy car. Maybe that uh, that Griswold, uh, the, the Roadster. <laughs> but yeah, he's almost home. So once he's home, my family's settled. Me and Jamie will get back. On our sequel watching journey, we got Return of the Killer Tomatoes, Purge Anarchy, Freddy's Dead, and a few more ready ready for you. Ready to go. Even Exorcist 2. Oh my god. That is going to be fun. But in the meantime, me and Jamie looked back at our first give or take year and we were thinking about, you know, interviews and uh, and sequels that meant a lot to us. And this one... Actor Vernon Wells, legendary bad guy. Love him as was in Mad Mad Max 2 or The Road Warrior, which is the sequel that we're going to be reviewing. So if you haven't listened to it, that'll be out next week as a re-release. And then also Commando, my personal favorite Arnold film, Bennett. So I was able to talk to Bennett. And of course, he's in inner space. He's in so much over the years, even like where he's the Wes-like character in Weird Science. And yeah, I love this story because he had no interest being in front of the camera. He wanted to be behind it, which he's doing nowadays. Like when we talked to him, it was like two months into the pandemic. So it was like he wasn't doing much at the time. He was still writing at the time, but he was just hanging in his backyard. Nice view, palm trees in the back background. And uh, we were just video chatting. That's one of my first video interviews that I did after Lance Kinsey. Most of them were just audio, so it was good because there was a very good back and forth with Vernon, and yeah, we talked about his projects that he has coming up, and yeah, just man, talking to Bennett, who doesn't love Commando? And I'm sure you've seen Commando, I hope you've seen Commando, but yeah, so without further ado, again, thank you for listening, don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media, at sequels only, and uh, yeah, here's actor... And legendary bad guy, legendary bad guy, Vernon Wells. I'm just sitting out here on my balcony and uh, talking to you, I guess. This is beautiful. Look at that view. Nice. That is cool, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Cool, man. So what I like to do with these is talk about how folks got started, because obviously you're from Australia. So yep. it's always good to hear that story, how people got over here. So so growing up in Australia, what part of Australia did you grow up in? I grew up in a little country town in Australia. Um, I grew up with my grandfather on um, his farm. It was out, out in the sticks, as they, they say. I think <laughs> that the, the town had one main shop which was everything it was the butcher the baker the candlestick maker you name it in this one shop and there was uh five or six farms in the general area that uh made up this little uh like place wow so it was it was kind of uh was kind of a little bit uh, out there but there was a school um about probably five mile away from there which had six rows of desks, and each row of desks was a, a class year, you know, like year <laughs> one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, and one teacher, she taught all of us, and the the blackboard was divided into six parts as well. 
<laughs> oh my god, it was kind of fun. I bet. So, at what age were did you think? Like, how did you even get started to think about you know going to LA and started acting? I never really. It was never a big driving force in my life. Um, my mother was a songwriter. And, oh wow. Um, she had written songs for Slim Dusty and a couple of other people in Australia. And I sort of followed in her footsteps. I mean, I grew up listening to all the um, the morning radio um, uh, the shows, like, you know, all these little 15-minute Superman, Batman, yeah. and, and, and Biggles. And they see, before I went to school, that was kind of my thing that I got. Um, that was about as close to acting as I ever wanted to be. So I was happy. But as I grew older, I moved back down to Melbourne with my uh, mother. And uh, she had remarried, so uh, my stepfather. And I, I started getting into bands, singing. I became um, a front man in um, a couple of uh, you know, pretty big bands in Australia. I thought wow. that was what I was doing you know, like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing. But um, I was involved in an accident in the, oh, band, man. the band truck carrying the equipment, and uh, I fractured a couple of um, the uh, vertebrae in my back, lower back. Wow. And so I couldn't actually stand up for very long. It would hurt and ache and was bad, so I had to kind of recover from that. While that was happening, I became a total pain in the butt to our manager. And uh, he took my photographs around to all of the uh, commercial agencies in Melbourne. And he was kind of begging people, you know, look, I'll pay you if you'll take him, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. And this one agency, the lady said, well, you know, we're, uh, we're looking for someone to do this uh, cigarette commercial. Can he ride a horse? He said, yeah, he's got a horse. Good. Can he drive? Yeah, he can drive whatever you want him to drive. Said, sounds perfect. Get him to come in. So I went in, saw them, and uh, I got this cigarette commercial. Oh, my God. And when it was over, I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. I get paid. I don't have to pay the rest of the, the scrubby little lot, uh, except for <laughs> Bobby. I had to pay him his commission. And that one commercial turned into five for the same cigarette, cigarette company. And uh, I just got bored with being in, a, a, um, being in that, that kind of part of the industry. It was like so false to me because, you know, you'd be it's, – it's the middle of winter and you're wearing a, a, a shirt and a pair of shorts and you've got to pretend that the sun's shining. And it's, and it's like, you know, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I kind of got over it really quick. And the same agent that had put me into the commercials – uh, she uh, rang up and said, look, there's um, quite a lot of television shows that are looking for people like you and we can get you work as an extra. And I thought, you know, an extra, that's probably getting paid for doing nothing. So what the <laughs> hell? Let's go. So um, I, I went into that and I was, you know, I, I used to love it. I could sit around and drink beer all day and, and, and talk shit with everybody and get paid. So that's I thought, good. This is, I love this. But unfortunately, there was these ass directors who would go, hey, you, you, yeah, yeah, you, the big guy at the back, the ugly one, come here. And they dragged my butt up to the front of the crowd and I'd have to say a line. And, you know, I just detested it. I oh, my God. It. And um, did not want to do it. Just had not, 
However, the other side of the camera intrigued the hell out of me. And so I was very fortunate that one of the top commercial directors in Melbourne uh, hired me to work for his company and uh, to become his producer. And I actually worked my way up from like the ground floor, you know, like sweep the floors and, and figure out how to put the film in the right places and all that kind of stuff. So I gradually worked my way up until I be, started producing commercials and uh, little docos and things for him. And then one day he decided that I knew enough that I should direct. So then I started directing um, the, the commercials and um, PSAs, all this kind of thing. And I thought, well, this is it. This is where I want to be, behind the camera, doing this. I love it. <laughs> unfortunately, um, a gentleman wanted me to do a stage play called Hosanna, which was written by Michel Tremblay, a French-Canadian uh, writer, which was about Montreal wanting to secede from Canada and become an autonomous French-speaking state, basically. And the French, uh, the um, uh, Canadian government sort of put their index finger in the air and went, yeah, not happening, dude. Um <laughs> So he wrote this play, which was about that, and it was just a two-man play, two-hander. And they wanted me to do it, but number one, I wasn't interested. Number two, the minute they said it was about a transvestite and her boyfriend, I just went, yeah, ha, 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 ha. yeah that's going to happen. Um, and kind of, you know, just let it go. But they persisted, persisted, persisted. And eventually, uh, it was actually my brother who... Uh, I was up at my parents' house. I talked to my brother and I said, you know what? This is really bugging me. I just don't want to do this. It's about, you know, two gay people basically. And, you know, that's just not who I am. And I don't want to go down that street. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I, I can't do this. And my brother's standing there looking at me and he went, uh-huh. I said, so what do you think, Sid? And he went, me? I think you should stop being such a big puff and get your act <laughs> together and go do the damn thing. And I went, <laughs> Okay, that that kind of wasn't what I was looking to hear. Um, and so I actually went and did the stage play, and uh, against my better judgment, by the way, and it became a, a, a solid hit. Wow. Um, especially with, uh, you know, the gay community and things like that, and then, then the normal community started getting into it. And um, one of the people that saw it was George Miller's girlfriend, Sandy Gore. Oh, wow. And um, she contacted George and said, you got to come see this guy. He, um, he has this thing and you just, you know, you, you can't take your eyes off him. you got to come see him. And George couldn't get down to see the play. It actually finished its run before he came down to Melbourne. But George and I went out and had a cup of coffee and told each other stupid jokes and um, carried on like a pair of idiots. And then he left. And I actually had no idea why he had taken me out for coffee, to be honest with you. I'd never seen Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. So I had no inkling. And, and I rang my manager. I said, what was that all about? She said, oh, they're doing a, a, a sequel to Mad Max. I said, what's Mad Max? And she said, you. I think you should go see it. And the funny thing was I went to a drive-in and it was Jewel, the first movie that Steven Spielberg made. Duel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Mad Max playing on the same bill, right? Double bill, ah. Duel and, and Mad Max. When it was over, she said, so what did you think? I said, Duel was amazing. And she said, what did you think of Mad Max? I said, yeah, it was okay. 
And that was, that was kind of it. And uh, about a month after that, she rang me and said, you got to fly to Sydney for wardrobe and makeup tests for uh, Road Warrior. And I said, what's Road Warrior? I, you know, and she said, it's a sequel to Mad Max. And I thought, oh, you got to be kidding. I didn't even like Mad Max. You know, now she wants me to do the sequel. This is not going to happen. Um, and uh, the funny thing is that George has this wonderful way of if you're not really, you know, you're kind of like, eh, meh, meh. all he does is just go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and he ignores you. It's like his mindset, and that's the end of it. So I went up, did the wardrobe, um, and, the, uh, and it was funny because there was no windows uh, sorry, there was no mirrors in the room where they were doing my makeup and oh wardrobe. My God. I actually couldn't see myself. You know, I could see my crutch. That was basically it. So did everybody else, by the way. But um, when I was in the full costume, I had to go over to see George, and I went in, and I was standing there, and he said, yeah, that looks good. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And he said, uh, yeah, turn around and let me see the back. And at that stage, it didn't have the uh, little butt flap. Yeah, my butt. And as I turned around, there was a uh, full-length mirror on the wall behind me. And I turned, and I saw my reflection in the mirror. And I went, "Holy fuck!" And George <laughs> went, "Yeah, that's 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 it. Yep, that's perfect." <laughs> and that was basically the end of it. Um, I became well. It was just total lunacy. But yeah, it was. Uh, an interesting time for me because I still wasn't sold on the idea of being an actor. I still love being behind the camera and seeing yeah. everything. And, and um, the producer and I became really close because I was always talking to the crew, you know, and, and seeing what was going on. And uh, Mr. Kennedy, whom I loved enormously, um, who unfortunately got uh, killed in a helicopter accident, um, he uh, he would let me talk to everybody, and 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 that was that was where I saw myself. I still saw myself going back to that because I figured that Road Warrior would be a one-off. It was going to be big, maybe in 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 uh, Asia. And maybe in Australia, that was it. I mean, it was going to be this unheard of thing. So I'd just go back to directing. So yeah. I was not any way in this whole planet understanding what was about to happen to I me. I know. And uh, it just, you know, until it came out, I went back to directing. And when it came out, it was just, you know, that was the end of my life as I knew it. <laughs> um, and so I really... Uh, didn't do a lot of acting. I did some little parts, but nothing that you could look at and go, oh, yeah, he had this great background in acting. Yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, I went from nothing, a stage play, into Road Warrior. And that was basically it. And after I finished Road Warrior, I did another stage play called The Birthday Party. Um, and that was basically my big-time acting career. <laughs> um, and then, of course... Um, they, uh, my manager rang one day and said, oh, there's a gentleman from America ringing about a, a um, film they're doing over there, um, Weird Science. Yeah. And I said, the gentleman's name is Joel Silver. He wants you to ring him. And I said, I'm not going to ring him. I don't want to go to America. You know, pick America. And she said, oh, okay. Was that what you want me to tell him? And I said, yeah. So she rang up apparently and said, no, he doesn't want to come. 
So they offered more money, apparently. Um, and she said, uh, second time, no, he's, he, he's seriously just not interested. So wow. they offered him more money. And, and she said, I can't convince him to come. And they said, sure, we don't want him. And she said, great, you know, because he's not coming. It's like, <laughs> yeah. sort of, you know, there's no big, big uh, deal done here. You know, he's just not going. And uh, that lasted for about, I believe, four weeks. And then they <laughs> rang him and said, this is our last offer. Either he takes it or he doesn't. And, and she sort of figured that I would not earn that money in Australia. Yeah. I should get my ass over there. So she um, sort of threatened my life if I didn't leave. So I felt that uh, maybe I should come over. And uh, I came over and did Weird Science, which was just a send-up of a character out of Mad Max anyway. Yeah. And had a lot of fun, and I worked with some uh, you know, wonderful actors and things, and uh, John Hughes, whom I'd looked up to see who he was, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, he does all these these kiddie angst movies. This should oh, be a yeah. Movie. So uh, I, I was, like, really happy to do it. And um, so I did that, and then while I was doing that, uh, Joel Silver said, look, I'm doing a film with a guy called Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> You'd be perfect for the villain in that. And I went, oh, who the fuck is Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> what? No idea who. I couldn't even say his name. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger. What? And so uh, he uh, he took me around to meet different people and then he introduced me to the director and the director said, no, I don't want him. I've got my idea of who I want and that's it. So I was happy. I didn't care. That's great. And I was like, yeah, great. Okay, see you later. So I flew back to Australia and thanked um, the boy very much, Joel, and said, thank you, sir, for everything you've done for me. And, um, you know, I'll be off now. And I went back to Australia and I did a a film back in Australia, um, which was about a group of school kids that got abducted. It was based on fact that really happened. Oh, wow. They got abducted and the bus and the school kids and the teacher all got buried in this big hole. And uh, the kids managed to to dig their way out, and then they attacked all of the uh, hijackers and killed them, um, except for two. Um, so it was a really interesting, and I played Daffy Duck. And <laughs> Daffy Duck eventually gets his head shot off. So <laughs> Daffy came to a very violent end. Um, so that was the end of uh, that. So that was it for me. I was back directing and having loads of fun. And- <laughs> That's great. And I, at that stage, I'd become a DJ at disco, so I was DJing, and you know, and, and you know, my sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing was just whoa, yeah, man. You know, it was right where I was living the dream. Yeah. And then uh, Joel Silver rang, and a buddy of mine who was uh, sharing my house with me. He took the call, and he said, "You got to get him to ring me like tomorrow morning. Terribly urgent." So he went looking for me and eventually discovered me at some woman's house. I don't know whose house it was, but he was able to find me and said, look, this guy, Joel Silver, wants you to ring him. You've got to ring him like you in like four hours. And I said, yeah, well, tell him to go suck eggs. And he said, no, seriously, dude. So I was like propelled to a phone four hours later. I rang up and Joel said, there's a a ticket for you at uh, the airport. Uh, You got like 24 hours to get your life into gear and then get your ass back here. Wow. And so I had to fly back to America and I actually uh, came into to Commando uh, when it was, I'd been filming for about uh, 
oh, probably two or three weeks. Oh, wow. So they replaced the guy that was doing the role for why I don't know and who it was I don't know, and oh. I've never ever inquired. Yeah. Um, so uh, I uh, came in and, and did the film, and uh, it was a lot of fun, you know. Uh, Arnie and I didn't get on for the first scene, and after I did the first scene and threatened to cut his balls out, <laughs> he uh, kind of thought I was uh, a pretty serious actor. <laughs> So uh, then we got on fine from there on in. And the, the funny thing to that is one day I was at a, a party. I'd done a film with um, uh, Gene Simmons, you know, the lead singer out of... Oh, yeah. Thing, uh, what was the band? Um, oh, Kiss. Kiss. Gene Simmons's girlfriend, who later became his wife. The actress. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shannon Tweed. Shannon T- Tweed. I'd done a film with Shannon Tweed, and I'd been invited to the the party, um, you know, when you finish the film. And um, at that, Gene Simmons was at, and he sort of saw me, you know, standing, having a drink, and he came over. And the funny thing happened is on the set, I was doing a scene with his, uh, with Shannon, and it was a scene where I had her on a bed, and I found out she was having an affair, so I was beating her, like slapping her about. And for some reason, the rhythm got all screwed up, and I actually hit her. Oh, um, she got really pissed, and it cost me $120 in red roses to fill her her uh, dressing room full of red roses to apologize. And uh, Gene Simmons comes over to me, and he's like six foot five. He's a no, big yeah. mother. You know, I'm not a little boy by any means, but he is a big mother. And he just stood there, and he said, I got a bone to pick with you. And I thought, oh, dear God, he's going to beat the shit out of me for his girlfriend. And he said uh, two things, and I said, uh, yes, sir. And he said, uh, you'd have to be the first man I have ever met who hit Shannon and lived. And uh, he said, secondly, I owned the rights to Commando, and that role I was going to play until it went into turnabout, and I didn't realize it, that got away from me. Oh and you, you got it. And I went, um... Yeah, and he went, I only have one thing to say. And I thought, oh, boy, I am so dead. And he said, I could never have done what you did. And I went, what? He said, nah. He said, it was you, dude. And yes. I went, oh, that's cool. Um, but it was so funny because he's, he's intimidating. He's so big. Yeah. Him and Arnold, you know, the, the worst thing in the world is to have Arnold up on a ladder and you with a piece of, a filament in your chest and a little six by six block in your chest and him with a six foot pipe in his hand looking at you down this thing going, this won't hurt a bit. It's like, it won't hurt you, you motherfucker. And he hurls it at you and thinks it's the funniest thing that ever happened. I had a bruise, never went away on my chest. You have no idea. Oh my God. Really killed me. Um, but no, it was fun. And, you know, I, I always say that I have been exceptionally lucky in my career. You know, I've been at the right place at the right time. I've never specifically went after becoming who I was. It just sort of came about. I never considered myself to be a good actor. I just considered myself to be an actor. Yeah. Um, sometimes. Um <laughs> And more in favor of directing, but 
it just kind of went on. And, you know, you have to look at it logically and go, well, dumbass, you've now done 295 films. I guess I you've done something right. Um, yeah. And I think, seriously, in probably the last 15 years of my career and my life, or 20 years maybe at the most, I've actually become what I always aspired to be, and that is a good actor. And I remember talking to a good friend of mine who I've done about five films for, Jesse Johnson, great actor, a great uh, director, directs oh, nice. all wonderful action movies. And I was talking to him one day and I said, why do you keep hiring me? And he said, uh, because you finally grew up, which was actually the truth. I had finally grown up and accepted who I was because I had the greatest problem for so many years in accepting who I was, yeah. I could never accept the fact that I was. People would come up and go, "Oh my God, you're Vernon Wells! You did this." It was like, uh, "Yeah, I guess." Um, <laughs> and so it was a, a problem for me. And then slowly, I got over that and became, you know what? I am. You know, I did that. Yeah. And, damn it, and I'm winning awards for doing that. I guess somebody likes me. Yeah. And it was. It was funny because my wife, one day we're in an elevator in um, Las Vegas and uh, we're going down the elevator and uh, go down a couple of floors. This guy gets in the elevator. It's only the three of us and we're going down and we're talking to each other. And all of a sudden he turns around and goes, oh my God, you're the guy from Road Warrior. And I went, <laughs> uh, yeah. And he said, oh man, he shook my hand. Then he just stared at me for the rest of the time, down, 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 until we got to the bottom. He walks out of the elevator. My wife goes, you are the most arrogant son of a... And I went, what? And she said, you could have said something to him. And I said, yeah, I could have asked him if he wanted to have a threesome. I mean, what else were they supposed to say? I was like, ridiculous. He had to say something to me. I said all I could say. And it was that thing where people would say, oh, and you'd go, like waiting for the next word that never came. And I was like, oh, dear, I've got to make up the conversation. How do I not sound like an ass? You know, yeah. It was just that weird, weird thing. Um, but I've got over all of that. No, I don't care. You know, if you come up to me and say, aren't you the guy? Say, yeah, 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 I'm the guy. From the story. And they go, no, that wasn't what I was going to ask you. I'm like, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have this habit of people would come up and they go, you're the guy on the road. Why did I go? No, actually, I'm not. It's my twin brother. He's the actor. I'm, I'm, I'm just the guy that didn't want to be an actor. And they go, oh, man, you look so much alike. And I'd say, yeah, well, you know, we're twins. And they go, can you tell him that I – and then they'd look at me and go, you're a lying son of a bitch. And I'd go, yeah, right, okay. And we're just – but it's so much fun, you know. Oh, I like, bet. You're going to have fun with it too. No, what I wanted to say to you about Bennett – out of all the Arnold has obviously a ton of action movies and he has really great ones, but bad guy wise, your lines in that movie are so funny. I love when you're talking about him with the general and you're like, Oh, if, if matrix was here, he'd be laughing too. And there's like these lines that you have going back and forth. that are so good. It was, it was fun doing it. Cause, um, I just enjoy what I do, you know, like yeah. I have a lot of fun doing it. And I, I, most of what I do is, is a natural thing. I don't kind of sit down and go, okay, I have got to create this character because I can't do that. So what I do is I naturally 
walk into the role as that's how I see it. Yeah. And so it becomes the extension of who I am at that time. So it's, and it's a lot easier for me to do it that way. I know I have a friend who's now my business partner, uh, Brian Martin. He lives up in Sacramento and we own a, a film studio up there. Oh, um, Eden Studios. And we do a lot of work and I do films and stuff with him. And, uh, he, the first time I ever met him, which was a few years ago, he picked me up at the airport. He could only afford me for one night. <laughs> I'm not a cheap son of a bitch. He could only afford me for so he was going to work me to death for one night. But he wanted me to know what the character was. So he um, picked me up at the airport. And we're driving to the hotel. I'm going to go to, to bed and sleep for about five hours and work from like seven till seven, 12 hours straight. So we're driving in the car and he said, um, I guess you're uh, not used to having the director pick you up. And I said, I'm not used to having anybody pick me up, but uh, this is kind of cool. And he said, uh, I wanted to pick you up because I wanted to explain the character to you because we really don't have a lot of time. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. I said, but you know what? Let's do it this way. Let me tell you what I think, and then you tell me where I'm wrong. That way we'll save a lot of time going back and forth. And he said, okay. So I spent about you know, 10, 15 minutes explaining the character to him, how I saw it, why I saw it, and it's in, out, up, down. Then I stopped and I said, so, uh, so what did I get wrong? What do you want to change? And he's driving. He just looked at me out of the corner of his eye and he went, fuck you, and just went back to driving. <laughs> it was like, that was the end of it. He was, and later I was talking to him and I said, what, what did I do? And he said, nothing. He said, there was not one thing I could tell you to do. You nailed every beat awesome. of that character. And he said, you know, nobody does that. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. Shit, next time I'll screw it up and tell you. <laughs> but he's uh, it, kind of fun. We've done a lot of stuff. We got When this pandemic finishes, we've got uh, three films to do. So it'll be fun. I, I just enjoy it. I've, I've always made this arrangement with my soul that um, the minute I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and go to location and I go, oh, God damn, do I have to get out of bed and go to location? That's it. It's over. I'm not doing it, man. But while I can get out of bed at four in the morning and go, yes, God, how, how, what time am I going to be at the set? Oh, another 40 minutes. You know, like, well, that, that, that feeling's there and that want to be there and that want to do it, I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get more work now than I've ever got. You know, That's awesome. I've got, I'm signed to five films at the moment when the pandemic finishes, you know, so I can't bitch, and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you write at all? Or is it yep. just directing? And oh, you write too? Yep. yep. I enjoy writing. It's fun. Or any of the five movies that you're going to be doing? No, the ones that you no, guys are doing? I've got a film that I wrote that I'll be directing. Sweet. Uh, which is called uh, Dog Fighter. Uh, and my dog's going mental. Uh, which is called Dog Fighter. He sounds like he's trying to chew the house up. Um, 
It's called Dogfighter, and it's basically about uh, a guy who does circle boxing, which is where it's bare knuckle and it's all everything. Oh, wow. You know, it's wrestling. But it's it's a precursor to the to the uh, ultimate, you know, fighting ring. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wrote it quite a while ago, but it's basically about a father and daughter. Um, and how they are strained and how they have to get back together. And he does this thing that she hates, and it involves a couple of people being killed. And, and it's it's just a – I wrote that ages and ages ago. And um, I want to direct it, and I've got a cast in mind that I think would be really cool. And unfortunately, we are getting the money together, and pandemic. So, <laughs> yeah. I have to wait until it's all over and, and maybe uh, get a chance to go do that as well, which would be uh, really cool. But, you know, I just take it as it comes. I mean, hey, it's it's nothing I can change, nothing I can do that will be uh, any different. I just have fun with it. And I see now, you've got all my ugly yeah. on the back wall here. No, I love – I'm telling you, I love Commando. I – I love Mad Max. And then what I wanted to ask you about was your role as Plughead. What was that like? Because it's like the makeup in that and the special effects. Did that take a long time to get into that role every day? Uh, in Circuitry Band? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was like about three and a half, four hours. I'd wow. go in very early in the morning and they would. And the thing that was the hardest part of that was that when they put all that stuff in my head, they would. it was like being a marionette. It was all went through the ceiling up in the the uh, the girders up there where the lighting grid was. Yeah. And they would be up there and they would marionette that. They would make the thing move like a marionette. So wow. what it was was that if they took a break or they had lunch, I couldn't go. I would, <laughs> I would get a, a, get a chair to sit on and that was it. I was there, you know. And God forbid I drank anything and I had to go to the toilet. They would have hung me from the bloody ceiling, you know. Um, so for a couple of days, there, two or three days, we were doing no scenes where the thing is attacking um, the uh, the lead. Uh, it was it was kind of fun. Uh, but I love the role. I just love the character because he was just so, so far out there. I mean, <laughs> he was just – and it was it was so real in its own way. Yeah. I mean, and the drug of the day was a, a microchip, you know, that you plugged in here. I loved all that. I was yeah. just like, ah, oh, yeah, this is just so cool. And we did two of them. We did Plughead 1 and Plughead 2. So Yeah, so you must, have been to, sweet, you must have been stoked when, the, when they announced the sequel a couple of years later. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, but, you know, I get to do – it's the same as doing the kids' show, you know, um, Power Rangers. Which is awesome. When I saw that was you, because I haven't seen it since I was like, God, I was like a freshman in high school or eighth grade. And when I was going through IMDb and I'm like, holy shit, how can I, after all these years, not put two and two together? But man, you play such a bad guy in so yeah. many of your roles. Have you ever played a good guy? I play nothing but good guys at the moment. Oh, good. That's awesome. But it's always... Fortunately for me, they always give me the good guy that's got just a little bit of a twist there somewhere. <laughs> you know, because, you know, it's much more fun if you can have a little fun with it. But yeah, um, yeah. I still get to play the bad guy because I love playing the bad guy. Oh, yeah, you're great at it. It's just so much fun. But I still I do a lot of 
of good guy roles. And um, it's it's interesting that people now cast me more towards that that way of doing things. They kind of look and they go, uh, you, you, you'd be much more of a fun good guy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, I've got a, a wonderful movie that's coming up that I, uh, after the pandemic that I love. A, a friend of mine, I did a film called um, Trouble Is My Business, film noir, and it oh, came out a couple of months, a few months ago. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful movie. Tom Conkle directed it and wrote it, stars in it. I just had so much fun doing it. And um, he said to me one day on set, he said, what's three films in your bucket list that you would like to do that you've never done? And I went, well, I'd love to play um, the pirate in um, Treasure Island. Nice. And uh, Long John Silver. And he said, uh-huh. And I said, I'd love to play the captain of the Nautilus in 20,000 Leagues Under Sea. <laughs> and he went, uh-huh. And I said, I'd love to do a real vampire movie where the vampire isn't 12 years old, for God's sake. He's a mature man who has lived a life. That's why he's who he is. And he went, uh-huh. And about three months later, he, he emailed me and he said, I got something I want to send over to you. And I said, okay. So he sent it over and it was a breakdown for a film written called Island in the Stars. And it's a version of Treasure Island set in space. Wow. And it's just so effing good. And I went, you're kidding. And he said, no, you want to do Long John Silver? I'm giving you the chance to do Long John Silver. So that's one of the films that will be done after we can go back. And I just look forward to that so much. That's awesome. I wonder if he had that written already or you inspired him by mentioning that. No, he wrote it after he knew what I wanted to do. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was uh, it was really cool. And uh, it's just, you know, I have so many friends and so many people that I know in the business that love working with me. Why, I don't know. <laughs> but they love working with me. They'll keep me busy doing things. And it's it's so cool to work with people you like being around. Like, you know, being around Brian is a lot of fun. My partner, he's... It, and he's a great director and a great writer. And um, he gives me free reign, you know, when he puts me in something. It's like, so what do you want me to do? I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, well, just figure something out. Um, and he's actually got me back into directing because we've done um, about three or four films and, and uh, series together. And he's just like, yeah, you direct this. That's awesome. You know, so he got me back into directing because he knows that that's what I love. So basically what I, I want to do is do the acting, which I adore, which I never did, but eventually, you know, and, you know yeah, sort of crawls into your soul and then you can't get <laughs> rid of it. Right, damn it. Um, I want to be able to do both, you know, but I'll never direct myself. Oh, okay, good. That's hard, do right? Not, do not like direct. Well, I look at it this way. My ego is like, no, no. <laughs> And I'm such an arrogant son of a bitch that if I was directing myself, it would be like this. So, Vernon, what I want you to do, I need you to stand over there. And on action, I need you to come through that door and approach the lady that's standing over by the bar. Ah, oh, okay. So, um, is there anything you want me to say while I'm coming? No, no, just, just, 
well, don't you think it would be better if I said something so that the audience understands? But no, I'd prefer you didn't say anything. Just walk through the fucking door and walk over to the lake. And it'd be like, oh, so we're going to get like that, are we? Oh, well, screw you. I'm going back to my caravan. <laughs> I, know, I know what I'm like. Yeah. So it would just not work. That'd be a funny movie. A yeah, guy who's directing, talking to himself. It'd be really funny. Yeah, it's all right. Somebody's already said that. And I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, it. yeah. It's, it, but it's just, it, I always look at it like, because people say to me, well, you know, all these people do it. Clint Eastwood does it. This person does it. And I adore all these people. Clint Eastwood's one of my heroes. You oh, know? yeah. I, I always, but it's like, yeah, but it's a different thing. Um, I, I don't look at myself as, because I can't look at what I do through the eye of a director. What I do is I look at what I do through the eye of the general public. And then I go, oh, that was horrible. Oh, my God, why did I do that? And so I'd spend all day going, no, no, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I didn't like it. And whereas if I've got a director, he said, do this, 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 and this, and you do it, and he says, okay, I need you to do that. And you do it, and he said, cut, print, let's move on. <laughs> yeah? So yeah. done. And, and I like that because it's not on me to get it right. It's on somebody else to make me get it right. Yeah, that's true. That's just the way I am, you know, so I don't have any great um, plans of being, you know, Bernard director, actor. Nah. <laughs> um, I'm quite happy to be Bernard director or Bernard actor. That's good. So we talked about it a little bit before that I asked you a question, but so Power Rangers, uh-huh. that was like a great role. You're on – what, like three or four movies they did? Yep. 50-something episodes? That's phenomenal. It was in every episode. That's, wow. Yep. And they did the the, the double uh, episode, which became a movie, which was movie movie magic, when all the kids got to play their their favorite, the, the thing they always wanted to be over yeah. at Universal Studios. And I was dressed kind of like Wes, chasing them all around the, the thing and wearing a tutu, I could only, I couldn't understand why they had to put me in a Africa tutu. But yeah, I love the hell of it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was fun. I loved that twelve months of my life, and we're still old friends. The whole oh, lot that's of cool. We're we're all great mates. Erin Cahill's one of my best friends. I adore her. Jason, Michael, you know, I I love them all. That is so cool. So, Did you uh, know about that show before you got that gig? I, no idea. You're the best, man. I had no idea. Didn't even. And when I went into audition for it, I was actually working in Vegas doing a uh, talk show. And it was basically going around to all the shows that were in Vegas and interviewing the people in the shows. Oh, cool. And, and doing that. And I loved it. I was having a lot of ball. And my manager rang up. He said, you've got to get on a plane tomorrow morning, come back here. They're auditioning for... Um, Time force, and they want you to come in for it. And I went, I went what the fuck time force? And he said, just go to this address. Like, you'll get the side when you get there. And I, went, and I sort of turned up, and in the room was all these actors I'd seen on television. I mean, every one of them. And I thought, what the hell? Why am I here? You know, I'm not a television actor. I'm more of a, of a movie actor, you know? Yeah. You saw on TV and everything. So I'd done a movie in... Um, over in uh, Ireland, and the uh, the guy that was in charge of all of the stunts, the stunts coordinator Koichi, was Japanese, 
And I got on very well with him. And, and I was amazed at some of the stunts that these guys pulled off. I was like, whoa, this is just scary. And so we kind of got on really well. So when it was my turn to go in, lo and behold, sitting behind the desk with the other producers and directors was Koichi. And I was like, what the? He's one of the producers and a director on the series. <laughs> and I was like, what? And um, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I wanted you to come in because, you know. So I went, oh, okay. So I did the audition and I left and um, they rang up and brought me back from Vegas two days later. And there was about eight people left, but they were still television people. And, yeah. and I thought, oh, for God's sake, you know. <laughs> There we go again. So I went in and I did the audition again. And uh, that, that time I got to talk to Koichi and, you know, we're chatting and you know, I, I, I like him a lot. And uh, I left and uh, a couple of days later they rang up and they said, we need you to come back because the executive producer who makes the decision had the flu and wasn't at any of the audition. So they need you to come back. And do it again. I thought, no, so I went back down. There's only two people, me and this other guy. And, and I'd seen him in everything. And I thought, oh, okay, whatever. I went in and I, I did the, uh, the audition for them and I left. And this time I went to my manager. I said, listen, I didn't get the part, but thank you for all the thing. And I'm going back to break, excuse me, to do the, the show. He said, oh, well, no worries. You tried. And I got off the plane in Vegas, and there was a uh, message for me to ring my manager. So I rang and I said, what? He said, get back on the plane, come home, asshole, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I had to quit Vegas and come home uh, to do the series for uh, 12 months. And I just, you know, to me it used to be funny because the, the, the scripts they wrote, once I started to get into it, once we'd done a couple of episodes, the scripts – changed yeah because the scriptwriter suddenly had an actor because all the kids god bless them every year they were new you know and they were young kids who were just starting in the business so but you know they had me and then they had um jason's father in it um, whom i cannot think of he passed away but he was another wonderful actor so they had two professional actors in the, the cast so yeah. they started writing these really good scripts and doing some really fun stuff with the characters. And my whole thing was, in every episode, I used to try to push it to the limit of where I could go in a kiddie show, you know. Just how far can I go before they go, no, Vernon. Damn it. So I was, I did some things that were just, I don't know how close they went. But seriously, I'm sure that there are times a mother or father walking past the television, their kids going, yeah, kill him, kill him. And they look at it and they go, oh, my God, what is he doing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, but it was fun. I loved it. That's cool. So what was that show you did in Vegas? Was it for like a it local? Was, it was Vegas. It was a Vegas show. It was Vegas by night and it was a Vegas show. And it was just one of their cable channels up there. That's cool. How, how'd they come to pick you? Uh, the lady that was producing it and the co-host knew me extremely well. Her daughter, I'm the, grand, I'm the godfather to her daughter. Oh, nice. So I knew her very well. So she uh, said, you know, I want you to come and do this with me. That was how it virtually 
came about. So I'm doing it because it was kind of fun getting to go to all the shows and talk to all the people that were doing the shows. You know, it was really cool and seeing how they did things. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Penn and Teller, Copperfield, Siegfried and Roy. That's awesome. All of them. And I still cannot tell you how Siegfried and Roy did one bloody thing. <laughs> it was like, hang on. Hello. Well, did they do that? They were like, I just could not get that one. Um, Carrot Top, who drove me insane. Um, but um, he was a lot of fun. Um, the uh, oh, A couple of the other shows, there were some really fun shows that I got to go and talk to all the, the guys or the people. Um, the, the, the review there, the, the one that's, uh, what do you call it? Um, their guys dress as girls. Uh, What's it called? Uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, I know you're talking about uh, like a drag, drag yeah. show. Yeah, but there's one that's very famous in Vegas. Oh, okay. And um, I, I got to go backstage when they're all dressing and getting made up and everything. And I had, of course, the wrong idea about the whole thing. I always thought that they're all gay, you know, like to be able to do that. And then when I was talking to them and interviewing them, I was stunned to find out that probably 90% of them were married, had kids and yeah. were very happy being straight. And it's like, Oh, and they just like wearing women's clothes and putting on makeup. And I thought, Hmm, well, I guess that's the same as me. I wear weird clothes and put on makeup for a career. <laughs> for so why am I being goofy? Um, so it was kind of fun. I learned that's a lot awesome. and had a lot of fun doing it, but yeah, uh, that's I, cool. I can't bitch about what I do. Oh, not at all. No, you can't. Especially that if it wasn't for your brother telling you to do that play, you don't know, you might still be happy in yeah. Australia directing and doing commercials and documentaries. True. And they haven't found his body yet, so I'm fine. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I know. That's great. Um, but yeah, if it hadn't been for Sid telling me I was a dumb twerpy, stop being gay and go do it. Um, yeah, I blame him every time I see him. So, you know, this is all your fault, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, Vernon, do you have a favorite movie that you did over the years? Not like a maybe one that a lot of people, like the Commandos, the Mad Max is weird science. Is there a movie that you hold near and dear to your heart for like a role that you were able to do? There's, there's a few, and they're all small movies that people may not know anything about. There's a film, and it's so funny you asked me that, is because yesterday I got a, an email from somebody saying, hey, look what I found. And it's a film I did quite a few years ago called Circle Man, which is about a retarded boxer, a, a guy that's more of a child than a man. Yeah. And I just, I loved that film because the role was just so different and just so interesting for me to delve into this man to become who he was and to do it and it was very near and dear to my heart one of my my favorite movies and um i'd never seen it around because they i always asked the uh director one day i was talking to him and and i said you know why haven't they released it in, in the states and he said they made so much money overseas that they didn't want to waste their time oh. So they didn't release it here, but it's been it's it's come out on video and it's out there. It's on, um, I believe, on on Blu-ray, and you can get a copy of it through uh, Fox. I think Fox releasing oh, cool. or something. I'll check but, it out. Uh, it was one of my um, fun movies, which I really loved doing. Another one, which my wife, it's her 
favorite movie I did was was called uh, True Loved, and uh, it was more of a young adult movie. It was basically about a a girl who befriends the uh, the star football player at a school, and I played the coach, and I didn't realize that he was gay. Oh, and totally agoraphobic. Anything to do that just the word sends me off, and I had to learn to accept who he was. And oh, she wow. him and there was this whole beautiful story, and um, I really enjoyed doing it. It was just a, a very sweet movie, and um, one of those ones that you do occasionally that you like. But there's, you know, what I always say to people when they ask me that question: every movie I was paid for, I love. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> so you know, and it depends on. What movie it was? I mean, Road Warrior. I have to say, yes. Commando, Weird Science, Inner Space. All. Oh yeah, Inner Space. Yeah, what an awesome movie. There, there's something about them that I loved, and um, but as I said, a lot of the smaller movies I love because you really have to get out there and work. Yeah. On the bigger films, you tend to be able to sit back and be lazy because they have a big budget, so everything's done. Um, but on the smaller movies, you know, you you really got to earn your pay. So I, I like them and I enjoy uh, doing them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, to me at the moment, um, there's some films coming out that I really adore. There's a film coming out called Kill Giggles, which has just won a, um, a Best uh, Film Award, which I love. It'll be out in about a month. Oh, sweet. Um, there's another one called Landfall, which I believe has just come out or is about to come out, which I won a Best Actor Award for. It's a little Australian film, which is wonderful. Um, Trouble is My Business, the Tom Conkle movie, I love. Uh, there's one that I helped direct called SOS, Ship of um, Souls, um, horror movie, which will be coming out in probably about six months. Oh, sweet. Um, what else? Oh, there's so much out there. Just, oh, I know. No, like your IMDb, like you said, you have so many things that are coming out. And it's funny what you said about, you know, you love all the movies you get paid. Michael Caine, one of his favorite quotes when people ask about Jaws 4 is they ask, all he says is that it paid for my house. Whenever yeah. they ask about that movie, is he hated that movie because that movie cost him the opportunity to be at the Oscars. They oh. had reshoots. He had to go back down because they tested the movie and they didn't, the audience didn't like that he survived. So they went back and they filmed the scene when the shark eats the helicopter that he's in. So he was, he like hates the, anything to do with that movie, but that's always his answer. It paid for my mansion, which is uh, pretty cool. One, one person that you worked with on your IMDb that I'm looking is I've interlo- I interviewed a lot of people that went face to face with him. I interviewed William Sadler, who was in Hard to Kill, opposite Seagal. And you were in The Perfect Weapon. What was he like to work with? Because he's been... With Stephen? Yeah. I actually didn't work with Stephen. At all? Oh, okay. Not, not, not at all in the movie. Um, but uh, the talk on the set was not good. No, I know. No, that's how he shoots his movies now. He's barely... I interviewed a guy that directed five of his movies in the late 2000s, early like 2010s. And he said that's the way a lot of his movies are set. One movie, he actually was only there for close-ups. So the rest of the movie is a body double 
that how, could you imagine working like yep. directing somebody like that that's crazy yep and he has he gives them a certain amount of time like yes. i'll be on the set for five days and then i'm gone and that's it it's crazy and um it's it's like stallone does that too oh he does oh man yeah, did you ever work with him amount of time and then then he's he's gone and you know i guess when you're in their position you can although i'm not quite sure how steven gets away with it yeah but actually that movie uh the that same movie uh director who's uh swedish um he actually had me come over to sweden at christmas time and i did a 20 minute um proof of concept basically for a film called fear of the woods which is about a um eight or nine foot tall Kodiak bear and this uh, hunter who is me who goes out to try to get it and I get killed within the first 20 minutes my whole my brother and me and my son <laughs> survives after getting pretty mauled and he becomes a hunter to hunt the bear but it's apparently ah. turned out so good that they've turned it ah. into a short sweet which is going to come out at the end of next month and go into the circuit and it's going to be the first 20 minutes of the film nice. that they're doing um which is going to be uh, fear of the woods and uh they everybody was like oh man this is so cool um i haven't seen the finished project i saw some of the footage which looked amazing they did some amazing stuff with it um and uh it'll be really interesting to watch but uh of course I'm not going to be in the film because <laughs> I finished yeah. and I'm dead. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, it, it, it's interesting. So, and he wants me to do another film in Australia with Guy Pierce. So oh, nice. uh, it would be uh, really nice too. Do you um, go back a lot? Do you go back to Australia a lot to film? I go back and work with the guys up in Queensland who uh, brought me over to do landfall and, uh, a couple of other films. They've got a couple of films they want me to do, uh, which will be really nice to do. They're uh, really interesting. Um, sorry about this. We got the police helicopter going down the coast. They got to count the people to make sure there's not people, too many people together. That's what it is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's all fun and games and frivolities or somebody loses an eye as they say um, but, uh, yeah. you love it that's so cool especially that i now like you look online for the most part and i wouldn't have known like how you started you know being in the cigarette commercial directing and i think that's really cool this has been great vernon yeah, it's it's just you know i i always look at it now as i say to people when i'm uh, teaching it's every time somebody hires you to do a job you should get down on your knees and kiss their feet yeah because to just be hired to do a film is the most amazing thing oh yeah and, and to be able to continue to do that is incredibly amazing and never take it for granted never ever get up in the morning and go i'm so fucking good <laughs> i am just so good I always get up in the morning and go, you know what? I'm the luckiest human being that ever lived because yeah. people actually want to work with me. And, you know, 
thank God that I can still do that. And that's how I look at it. It's like, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, man. I, I get to get up and do what I love. I get to kick the shit out of people who get up when I finish and go, man, that was so cool, you know? Yeah. So, it, you know, all my anger and aggression, I have no aggression because I get to kick the shit out of all those stunt guys. Um, but <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's just fun. You know, That's I get awesome. to have so much fun. I get to enjoy it. I get to meet wonderful people. I get to work with wonderful people. And I get interviewed by people like you that are great. And, yeah, uh, no, I love – no, I'm telling you, I grew up on Commando. For me, obviously Arnold's done a lot of bo- uh, great movies. But that movie is like the quintessential 80s action flick because mm-hmm. each person he kills, there's one-liners – like him going back and forth with Bill Duke about yep. eating cream berets for breakfast, but just your lines in that movie are so good. Do you have a favorite line? I'm sure you go to like Comic Con. Do you ever go to any of those Comic Cons yep. or anything like that? Yeah, I do those so I can meet the people who think that I can act. <laughs> yeah, got to give them something, poor little <laughs> buggers. Um, uh, no, uh, yeah, a, a line out of Commando. I I still think probably. Um, my my favorite line that I deliver is, um, welcome back, John. So glad you could make it. I mean, I always loved that line. And everybody else always said, no, 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 the better was better line was, um, I'll take this, uh, uh, what is it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be so smug about your little pissant soldiers yeah. cutting their throats would be like slicing a knife through cold butter. Like, yeah, but I don't like it. I like Welcome Back, John. Yeah. Now that's good too because you're walking and you're going to get his daughter and then hear like all the, hear all the buildings explode and you have like that knife and then you're like, no, yeah, that movie's so cool. Back. Or the shoot, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot sh- you between balls. Yeah, I know. Every time somebody, like, it's like a, a, an 80-20 thing when I'm doing a convention signing autographs. People will come up and they'll get a, a commando thing and I'll go, what do you want me to put on it? And they go, would, would, you, would you put that, that lot, put what? You know, that thing you do, what? I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls. And they go, yeah. Yeah, they never asked me. It's so funny. They'll just sort of go, would you put, I don't know why, what, are you going to hit them or something? (laughs) Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Now, that movie, the reason I really love it, you're great in it. Greatest, like, villain in all the Schwarzenegger movies is in a lot of movies going against, you know, know, uh, Predator or these other people, but just the cast of bad guys in that, David Patrick Kelly, Bill Duke, Gary Carlos Estevez, the way he gets it, you you don't expect him to get it that way, but he's like, you, "Am I right, Matrix? Wrong." And just, yes. it's awesome, man. Well, this has been really cool. Thank you for saying yes and doing this, and I'm so excited to be able to see all the stuff you have coming out. And I'm gonna check out. What did you say? It was a circle, right? Circle man. Circle man. I'm gonna find circle that. Man. Circle man. Cool. Yes. And uh, check out Trouble Is My Business. Sweet. Like that. Thank you. Vernon, you're awesome, man. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good rest of your night. 
You too have a wonderful rest of your night and please be safe. That was Vernon. He was awesome. Man, so cool. The stories, just how he came over here. The story about Joel Silver working with Arnold Commando. Just oh, so cool. Love that guy. Next week, our re-release of Mad Max 2. It's our first video review that we put out. And I think it's uh, I think it's a good one. It, it was a lot of fun. Especially during a crazy time in our lives with the pandemic starting being isolated and uh it was a great outlet for i can't speak for jamie for myself to be able to have that like human connection but over zoom uh with my partner in the sequel watching journey so uh yeah so don't forget to review rate share our podcast follow us on all social media at sequels only and don't forget to check out our website sequelsonly.com. good night good night guys <laughs>